When you come from a place that is a little more conservative in their mindset and how they judge other people or what kind of perspectives they have or social values they have, that's when you start kind of reflecting back on your own ideologies and how they are different and why they tend to be different than what everybody else is following. On this episode of the Creator Community, we'll meet Trudy Mishra, a behavioral science enthusiast and an unlikely author that found her way to publishing. We'll learn how Trudy navigated the traditional norms of her culture that were expected of her and found her own path. We'll follow Trudy's journey of self-discovery as she wrote her book and how the title of her book, Misfit, chose her rather than she chose it. Check out the show. Welcome to the third season of the Creator Community. This is a podcast series from book publisher New Degree Press, or NDP. I'm your host, John Saunders, founder of Forward Advisory Solutions. This show is designed to celebrate, elevate, showcase many of the incredible authors that have published their books with NDP. This year, 2021, New Degree Press will cross over 1,000 published authors. In the show, we get to know the authors and their books, as well as give you a behind-the-scenes look at their journey. We'll find out what it takes to bring a book from an idea to being available wherever you buy books online. It's no easy task. Nothing worth it ever is. But with solid structure, coaching, and community, it's very much attainable. Today, I'm with me, Shruti Mishra, a consumer insights and behavioral science enthusiast and now an author. Her new book, Misfit, is a book about heart-touching stories and events, controversial traditions, social values, and unpopular opinions and choices. The book explores intersecting topics such as love, money, traditions, family, immigrant life, and reflects on things that are not going in the right direction. Shruti's book is due out this December 2021 and will be available wherever you buy books online. Shruti, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's really a pleasure to have you. Well, let's dig into that bio just a little bit. Shruti, what is a behavioral science enthusiast for those who might not know? Thank you for asking that. First of all, um, a little bit about just the first half of it. So what is behavioral science? Because a lot of people kind of don't know about it or actually have never heard of the term or are confused if it means it is a branch of science or if it means it's psychology or what is it. So just a little bit of general idea. When it comes to behavioral science, it is still categorized as a branch of science, but it kind of encompasses psychology, a little bit of technology, and all those fun stuff. So when I call myself a behavioral science enthusiast, it is because I am somebody who's really passionate about exploring more of the cognitive processes of humans and trying to understand them in a better way, Um, trying to get the whys behind everything and anything they do, their actions, their words, what they're talking about, what they are not talking about, and just getting a little bit deeper insights into some of the things that happen in today's world. Interesting. So how people behave, what they do, how they sort of evolve through the world. Where did your interest in studying behavior come from, you think? I think one of the reasons is, again, my search for whys. I always liked knowing why people do something, why they chose A versus B. Why did you choose the shampoo, mom? And why didn't you get the other one? And um, as I learned more about these in my business classes, and I tried to understand more of those whys, I came across the field of marketing. 
it was a field that was really interesting to me. And I actually have a major in marketing. But once I started getting deeper into all these marketing tactics that people use in today's world, businesses use in today's world, a lot of these are very traditional. Even though we are in 21st century, a lot of the methods that we use to find consumer-related information is kind of traditional and based on what you tell people. But the thing is, you don't actually make decisions based on what you tell people. It's just what you say. And most of the times it is because you you do not want to stand out. You want to do what everybody else is doing because that's the norm, right? So most of the times what people say is very different than what people think and what eventually they end up doing. So that was just how I got super interested in understanding more of the whys behind most of people's, or I should say, consumers' decisions. And I started getting into this field. And another side of this field that I I hope a lot of people who are watching and are interested in this field are also interested in is just that compassion aspect. You should really, at least I believe, you should really be a people's person to be in this um, field or to be more interested in this field and not feel bored or exhausted at the end of the day. If you really are very interested in learning more about people, just trying to understand how to make their lives better, just trying to make things easier for them, decision-making processes easier for them, this field would be amazing for you. If you're very search-oriented, if you want to know answers, if you like doing studies, this is your field. And I just felt like I ticked most of those boxes as I started learning more about it. As you, So if I heard you correctly here, people often say, one thing and do another. Did I hear that right? Yes, you can. If you are given a survey, for instance, you, and then if, especially if you are given a survey crowd, if there's 10 other people, you are very likely to answer what you think everybody else is going to say, even though you feel differently. So your subconscious may be thinking, I really hate this product, take it away from me. But because you're in a focus group, which is where a lot of businesses still get data from, it is crazy. Um, But that is where they get their data from. And most of the time, people suppress their very innermost feelings if it's different than what majority is talking about. Back to this following the herd or blending in concept we talked about. That's interesting. So certainly some creativity to this journey you've been on marketing, a lot of creative types in that category. Did, was there something there that, you know, what led you to re- writing your book, uh, Misfit? Was oh. that part of your career? Was, were you thinking about the misfits that you've studied over time? Where did this thing come <laughs> from? <right? laughs> I wish, John, I wish. Not really. My creative journey or my entire process of actually writing the book happened very untraditional way, I can say. I never thought I had a story or I I still, it's kind of surreal that I, I, I'm almost done with the process of writing my book and I still feel like, did I have a story or I'm just saying something that most people feel anyway? But to answer your question about how did it kind of mash together, my career and my creativity when it comes to actually writing the book kind of overcrossed each other because my book definitely talks a little bit more about why we do things, what society thinks kind of overpowers what we are doing, and then our actions and how they speak to each other and stuff like that. But the actual entire overarching process of actually coming to writing a book was 
not at all planned. It was not. I was reached out from Creators Institute program. And I just started talking to them and I figured that they help people write books. They had this entire really, really well-organized process, I must say, that helps a lot of people find their stories. Even though we all think we don't have a story, everybody does. Everybody has a story that at least thousands, if not millions of people are going to have an impact out of. And that's exactly how I landed mine. I started this process, this program, and it helped me get to where I am today. I started writing little stories that made sense to me and filled my heart with joy, pride, emotion, anger, anything that you can think of. And now it has turned into a book that talks about all those things that I actually felt and why I felt that, how a lot of other people may be feeling the same way. And uh, it has turned into a beautiful, beautiful product at the end of this. And I had no idea I was going to turn it turn into what it has. But I love the idea that now it kind of actually gives me the bridge between my creative and my career that I never had. That is awesome. And you talked, maybe if I heard you say, maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome as you started to write this book and thought, gosh, do I have a unique story here to tell? And is it interesting? You know. How did the process, the coaching, the journey help you better understand that or help you evolve the book? Yeah, so I definitely had my moments of the feeling like I wasn't good enough. I didn't have a good enough story because I always had this whole idea that somebody who is an author, who writes a story, I would always put so much importance and uh, I can say so much pressure on the word author. And I actually feel bad saying that right now because I every single time I would read somebody's book and if I found a typo or something, I would feel, oh my God, you're like an author, come on. I mean, you know what I mean? You put a lot of pressure on the word. You start building it up in your head. You think it's so much more than it should be while it's just another human sharing ideas and stories with you in their own way. Everybody does the same thing. But I had this entire thing built up in my head that was stopping me from coming up with stories because even though the slightest spark that I would have in my head or or my heart, it would be shut down with the entire concept that that is not good enough. You, you, there are, who's going to even read that? You don't have a good enough story and all those bizarre things that was just going on in my head. So it was definitely not an easy path. And I always, I, I struggled a lot with imposter syndrome throughout this process. But what, what really, really helped was the process again of this entire program. The program started with writing small stories instead of focusing on a big junk of um, concepts and themes and chapters. It was just write what you feel. And that's exactly what we all did. We just started writing stories that felt good to us. You don't have to think if it matches. Oh, I just wrote about love and now I'm writing about family and immigration. How does that make sense? Don't think about it. Just keep writing. So we, we kept writing and then with help of author coaches, my MREs, and all these other people that I've had the chance to talk to and to learn from and to interact with, they helped shape this book to what it is today. And I, I, I have no, um, no shame even admitting it, that probably it's a lot of their effort and 
combined with a little bit of mine. They really saw this overarching theme. And then that's how we just came up with the whole idea of Misfit, how everything I was writing about, how everything I was talking about, how most of the concepts just made sense and kept filling those gaps without me even knowing. And that's the magic when you stop thinking about the bigger picture for a second and just start doing things that you like. The little things are going to make that bigger picture happen one day. So just if you are having imposter syndrome and if you're listening to this, just stop. Just take a second and just tell yourself you don't have to think about the bigger picture, where it's leading you, where that destination is. Just start. Start that journey and it's going to lead wherever it's going to lead. Don't think about the bigger picture. So much of it is a journey of learning, right? And evolving and growing. And I, I don't think anyone writes the exact same book they started out that they started out with. So speaking of misfit and how this thing evolved, what is misfit about? What is this? What is the story of, of misfit? Yeah. So I, as you said, I, I I loved how you said nobody's book kind of ends how it started, or at least how you think it's gonna end. So Misfit in my head is anyone who is not seen as everyone. And I say that because after writing this book and probably reading it a little more than 10 times, every single time somebody comes to me and then they're like, oh, I, I love the idea. Okay, so what do you, what, why do you think it had to be misfit? And who is a misfit? And I, it's a really good question. And Self-reflection again, always self-reflect. So self-reflecting back to everything I talk about, it is one simple thing is that I'm writing about anybody who doesn't feel like everybody else around themselves. It can be somebody who really stands out in a crowd because of what they think about, what they're doing, how they perceive somebody else, how they look like, how they feel, or it can be somebody who gets lost in a crowd, or even when they're alone, just because of all those above mentioned things that I just told. So anybody who feels like an outsider or who feels they are unseen, even in a crowd, or who just feel that they are just looking over something as an outsider and just not being a part of a crowd, that's the person who is a misfit. And once I explain that to people, the most common answer that I get back, and I really want to say that in this podcast, is that, oh, I have felt like that many, many times. And sometimes the word itself throws people off because nobody wants to feel like a misfit. It's just how our brain is designed. We don't want to feel like we are not just like our friend living next door. You don't want to feel like that. But have we felt like that? Absolutely. We all have. So that is the whole idea of misfit. Somebody who doesn't quite fit in and, you know, maybe wants to, but just can't seem to find their space. You know, where do you think this concept came into your life? When did you start to see this concept of misfit? Uh, I think the, the whole idea of misfit and how it came to my life is just self-reflecting on some of the things that I have been through in my personal life. When you come from a place that is a little more conservative in their mindset and how they judge other people or what kind of perspectives they have or social values they have, that's when you start kind of reflecting back on your own ideologies and how they are different and why they tend to be different than what everybody else is following. And then you have this debate or battle in your head 
where you have a tug of war going around between what you think and what the entire society or the entire your circle, your family members and anybody else is thinking. So that is where my personal misfit stories kind of started popping up, where I started feeling like um, an outsider. And it happens a lot with a lot of different people. And sometimes what I, I really want to kind of convey this message as well is the fact that sometimes even if you haven't been through something, when you learn about somebody else's life, and then once you have that compassion in you to kind of listen to other people and grab that information and reflect back on how they must be feeling based on what you may have done to somebody else or how you may have judged somebody else. That's another way where you can help misfits or where you see those misfit stories again. Because there are some of the chapters in this book, which I personally probably have no idea about because I haven't been a part or active part, I must say, in that community. But at the same time, have I met hundreds of people who have? Absolutely. And that is where the role of compassion comes in. If you are compassionate enough to learn more about them, learn about their stories, their journey, and do your own research, that's when you learn more about misfit stories. There are hundreds of misfit stories, even if my book only has like 10 or 12 of them. So it's just like a journey that you keep going around and around. And then that this that is, misfit stories are the way that you actually find out what might need to be tweaked in the way we do things, and especially in the way that our society thinks we should be doing things. As you went through your own journey and saw this conflict, I guess I might call it, between you and some of the cultural values that you were brought up around and, and you know, how did you find the way or the power to sort of break free or find a new path for yourself? That couldn't have been easy as if your family and your culture was all doing the same things. So the, the answer to how I basically kind of broke out of this whole circle of stigmatized actions or social beliefs and norms is by simply self-reflecting on some of the things and seeing if it matters to me as much as somebody else or third parties saying that it should. So let me give you an example. If somebody is telling you that if you do not follow this tradition, ABC is going to happen. Okay, you take a moment, you acknowledge that fact, you definitely consider because it is a tradition, a lot of people around you will be doing it. And they are definitely going to have some type of opinion if you don't do it. So what you do next time when you come across the same tradition is just think that if that ABC matters to you. So if I don't follow this tradition, and technically if that ABC actually happens, which I'm going to tell you 90% of the time, nothing happens. But if that 10% of the time, if it happens, and if you personally feel that it makes you really uncomfortable, that 10% of time, it might happen. Just let it, just follow that tradition, see how it's going, but keep that 10% door open. When you talk to somebody else, somebody who's not doing or not following that tradition, make yourself open to that conversation. That's exactly what I did. If I had some kind of thought or something that I felt really concerned about, or if I didn't want to break, or if I, if I didn't want to raise my opinions or say something that was controversial to what my parents wanted, my grandparents wanted, or something like that, I would just self-reflect 
does does it matter? Is it going to matter next time this conversation comes up with my brother? Is it going to matter the next time a conversation comes up with my cousins, younger kids, somebody else? Yes, it does. So that's when you want to take that action because it's going to make life better for somebody else. And it always does. Trust me, it always does. So that's when you stop caring about the very immediate two to two, three days of people staring at you, just like backbiting, saying something, which is always a culture. It's always going to happen. We're all humans. There are several billions of us. You're not going to please everybody. So just keep that in, in the back of your head and then start doing things. And once you see those other side of people coming up to you and telling you how you helped them, you gave, gave them that confidence that they needed to kind of like do things their own way like you did, that's going to matter so, so much more compared to that ABC that never happened. You think about this, you're talking now about sort of inspiring others with this this mindset, taking this action, you know, would you say that's the core inspiration for your book or your why or is there, is there, is there more to it? Absolutely. I definitely think, so as I mentioned earlier, I did not start this entire process with like a title, a concept, or even a theme. So I basically went in with zero and then I'm coming back with I what I think is more than 500%. So just trust me when I say that I actually have pondered upon the entire question of why did you write the book, Shruti? Like what inspired you and everything? But because I didn't go in with any type of um, preconceived notion, I can say, I can actually say very honestly that the thought of writing about misfits was kind of second nature because all of my stories were just relating back to the whole idea of misfit. And I think subconsciously, but even when I was writing the stories, I wanted to write about something that was just not shooty story. Because I never wanted to, technically the one thing that I probably never wanted to do in the beginning of this process, or at least even until now, is just write about me and how a lot of stars and actors and actresses, they write about their life. They just kind of dig deep in what happened and whatnot. Because again, my imposter syndrome, I didn't think I, Shruti Mishra, had so much more that people would want to know all about me. I wanted this book to be something that at least hundreds, if not thousands of people can read and be like, hey, I felt like that too. So subconsciously it was always there, even in my stories. So the inspiration part came in when the stories started becoming chapters. That's when inspiration hit. Because at the end of the story, what do I want people to take away from it? If somebody reads a story in my book about love, is it just going to be my journey of finding love or how I didn't find it or I, maybe I found it or something like that? Or should it be something that they can take at the end of it and feel like, huh, I feel better about knowing this and then now I feel more prepared to find or define my own version of love? That's where my inspiration part in the story comes from. I, I, I don't know how inspired you're going to be after reading this, but what I can assure you is you're definitely going to be motivated enough to inspire somebody else and talk about these things with somebody else with confidence and with your head held high because now you know what happens with a lot of other people. And I'm going to tell you, 
most of the statistics in this book are in thousands, if not millions. So you know the amount of stories or amount of misfits that are around you. And probably when you're reading one of these books in a train, you're going to find the next person. And when you talk to them, they're going to tell you about their misfit stories. Interesting. So, so many misfits out there in the world, you know, what's one of these key statistics you're thinking about that you shared in the book? There's a lot of different types of statistics that I talk about in the book. I was very surprised to learn about statistics about people with disabilities. I did not know that people with disabilities are in billions. And it broke my heart a little bit because I never thought of it like that. I, whenever I would think of people with disabilities, I would just think of people who have physical disabilities, some things that you can see. But I myself learned a lot more about mental disabilities, what it encompasses and how many people are struggling with it and all those statistics behind it. Another statistics that blew my mind were some of the statistics related to different traditions and different world. And it was crazy to just know how suppressed some places are compared to another more developed countries. And then while comparing it back to how things are done in traditional, or I should say a little underdeveloped or developing countries, and then seeing how death rates are so high because of some types of traditions that technically shouldn't be followed or at least be a little more modernized before being topic of conversation in today's modern world. So a lot of those type of statistics. So many different types of misfits out there in the world, and they exist in all different shapes and forms. You know, the themes you talked about in the book was around this concept of conflicting psychology, limited freedom, and persistent struggle. You know, how do those fit into the, the misfit story? So first of all, let's break it down into all three of the, some of the major words that, you, that were included in that is conflicting psychology, limited freedom, and persistent struggle, and how these complete the picture of misfit stories. And at least some of them, if not most of them, these can be combined in most of the misfit stories. So when we talk about conflicting psychology, what are we talking about? It's, it again goes back to the tug of war that I talked about at, at the beginning of the podcast. It is that whole ideology when one part that you're really close to is asking you to do one thing or adhere to one type of values, opinions, or beliefs, perspective, any word, choose the word that fits you. And then the next part that you are very, very close to is asking you to do very different. Let me give you an example so it makes it a little more clearer. Your family wants you to be super intelligent or just wants you to be that kind of person who is very studious, loves studying, wants to be an engineer, wants you to be a doctor. Except you just dig deeper into it. You just start going crazy. You take all these classes. You're super, super on top of your classes, taking AP classes, doing this, doing that nailing your extracurriculars, right? What are you doing at that point? You're, you are just trying to be the person that your parents want you to be. But at the same time, when it comes to the closest one that you are around most, which is your friend circle, you kind of look like a geek in their head. Because what are you doing? 
all you're doing is just like studying, not focusing on anything else. You just want to make sure that you nail everything and make your parents proud. This is the conflicting psychology that I'm talking about. And I'm just giving an example of, of education, which is uh, everybody should aim for a great education and it should always be the case. But I'm just talking, I'm just giving an example of how conflicting psychology works. Both of these types of circles are very dear to every human being. You don't want to lose your friends and you don't want to do something that is going to disappoint your family members. But both of them are giving you very different psycho psychological pressure or even if sometimes it's not pressure, it's technically subconscious pressure. But at the same time, it is killing you inside because you don't know what to do. Do you want to look like a geek in front of your friends or do you just want to be a super fun person that your parents can brag and talk about in front of their circle or their family members? That's what you call conflicting psychology. And as I said, plays out in misfit stories when it comes to people who feel like they're a geek or jerk or just somebody who only does studying and has no social life. Sounds like a lot of time of reflection, learning from your own challenges and, and uh, obstacles along the way and overcoming them and, and talking to others and learning about their stories. You know, how would you say, Shruti, the book has changed you along, along the way? The book has changed me a lot. It, so I would like to start from the beginning, from somebody who started with zero or had no idea, the book actually made me realize my purpose as I got to stories, as I started writing chapters. Then once I got into actually doing my pre-campaign and trying to tell more people about my stories and build my own author community, it gave me what most authors need. And that is the love, support, and immense amount of confidence in myself. If my pre-sale campaign did not go as well and as nicely as it did, which is also, again, thanks to my MRE and the community that we have at NDP and then the entire Creators Program Institute, it, if it didn't go as well as it did, I would have lost confidence in myself and my story. Because again, I started with zero and I would think that that's where I, de I deserve to be because nobody liked my stories. Nobody related to it, but it went well. Everybody was really happy about the story, loved the idea, and actually related a lot more to the concept than I thought they would. When I got every single time when I would get back that message saying that I went through your Indiegogo profile or I, I watched your promo video that we had to do, and then I related to it, that would make my heart smile. And that's what this book has given me. It has given me immense amount of confidence in myself. It has shown me that the things that I value most or keep the closest to my heart are some of the things that can change uh, people's perspectives. It can change how people view certain things. And it has the capability of making a difference out there. So it has given me a lot more than I can give credit for, John. <laughs> So it's given you an immense amount of confidence, which is fantastic, but it also, I think part of the journey helped you get there, all this coaching community, the guidance, the structure that took you from having this inkling of an, inkling of an idea to actually having this published book that's just coming out here uh, very soon. That's incredible. And I would argue that even if you didn't have a successful campaign, there's a variety of reasons for it. So I wouldn't hang that all on your head uh, or any author's head if it doesn't work out. Sometimes we don't 
find or make the time to promote it as well as we could. That's certainly a big, big part of it. And the coaching around that is immense. But congratulations on having a successful campaign and getting it out there. In terms of you know your life, your career now, anything that's come out of this, any unexpected positives that you know, obviously we talked about the confidence level and having the success here, but anything that came out of left field for you that became an unexpected surprise for you through this journey? Yes. Um, I think the, one of the biggest surprises is I'm actually going to have a book with my name on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the biggest things for somebody who didn't think she had a story. And now after about a year, she is actually coming out with a book with her name on it. That's a big unexpected positive. Another thing that I think has come out as an unexpected positive is the amount of positivity that I'm getting from my author community. Most of the people I would say that I have reached out to or who are part of my author community or my better readers or are people I have I don't know about. And then they, those are the people who are coming back to me with this love, affection, and care. And then now I have people who are probably going to be my friends for life. Where, where else are we going to find that type of community who loves you unconditionally? I mean, they're basically pre-ordering your book without knowing everything that's going to be in it. So they're investing in you. And uh, I think that is another big positive that has come out of it. And lastly, one of the biggest, biggest, biggest positive that have come out of it is the smile on my parents' face. I don't think I've ever talked about it, but um, I didn't tell my mom that I was writing a book. So the only person who kind of knew that, okay, she was kind of working on this or doing this whole thing was my dad. The day I told my mom that I've actually wrote a book and it's going to be coming out, the smile on her face and then her reaction meant more than anything that could come out of it. And then the fact that I wrote about something that was so personal to me and that could change the way other girls in my community, my society, or the entire world can think or do things their way. And I'm motivating them to take that path meant more to her than anything else. So that was probably one of the biggest positive that came out of it. Having a book, building a community that supports you and connects with your story that's evolved and meant so much to you. And, and seeing the smile on your mom's <laughs> parents' face sounds like it was an incredible experience. So what a What a great journey for you. You know, when you think about Misfit, Shruti, you know, what's a key message that everyone should know about Misfits out there in the world? I think one of the biggest thing that I can say that if you only take away one thing from this entire book and nothing else, I want that one thing to be about self-reflection and self-love. And I don't just mean self-love in a sense that take that weekend and make sure that you're resting and then make sure that you are doing your TMIs. What I mean is actually every single time when you make a decision, make sure you put yourself first for everything. It can be as small as just taking that next step in your career to as big as actually deciding where you want to live, what you want to do, how you want to plan your life and everything. And I know it's easier said than done, but I'm saying it because I have done it. So I know it's possible. So every single time you think about anything, just know one thing that nobody else matters but you. You don't, 
owe anything to anybody else but yourself. And I know it takes time, but what it also does is to give you that time to reach there. So what I mean by that is simply when what we all face failures and you're not going to nail it the first time we all are we all go through this entire journey this which is why we call it self love journey right because it is a journey you're going to read this book you're going to feel motivated and then you were you might do something and that may not lead to the same impact that you wanted but that doesn't mean you have to stop just always any every single time you do anything think of yourself as the main character in your life and then you you'll see that in a in a matter of a week or a day or month or years however long it takes for the the amount of thing that you're doing it is going to make an impact and it is going to everything is going to start falling in place because that is just how your mentality is going to be and that's the type of energy you're going to attract but always always know that you come first nobody else not your family no tradition and no statistics you're not a data you come first celebration of the misfit, right? We're all unique. We're all different. We all bring different things to the world and we don't have to fit in where others think that we must, right? And we can, it's okay to find your own journey. And it starts, I think what I'm hearing is starts with self-care and self-love, which sounds like you've spent a lot of time reflecting on and, and sharing what a, what a beautiful message to share with so many out there. As you said, billions of misfits in the world to help inspire them, to motivate them to, hey, own your journey, go live your life that you want to and and have a little fun while you're at it. It's not going to be perfect. There are going to be challenges and, and you can overcome it, but it all starts with being happy, being proud, being having that self-love. What a beautiful story, Shruti. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Thank you so much for bringing the story out of me, Joan. Pleasure is all mine. If, if people want to learn more about you and your book, Shruti, where, where might they go? If you want to learn more about Misfit, you can follow the book's Instagram, which is basically at misfits underscore power. I share a lot about the book journey, the book writing journey, where the book is, and all those fun stuff. So you can always find more about the book there. If you want to learn a little bit more about myself and my personal journey or some of the things that I am interested in, please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. My LinkedIn is simply Shruti Mishra. So you can just connect with me there. And I am always really happy to talk to people and help them in any way, shape or form. So please feel free. And I accept everybody's connection request. I promise. Awesome. For all the misfits out there, Let's celebrate. Let's be ourselves. Let's go out there and, and live our lives. Rudy, thank you so much for being on the show here today. Thank you so much for having me. It was the best time. Shruti's new book, Misfit, will be available this December 2021, wherever you buy books online. I'm your host of the Creator Community, John Saunders. Keep moving forward.